All right, load it up. We got a full. Is that my? Uh, that is my cousin Bill. Is it cousin? Cousin uh, Bill, Dady, FBI. Forget about it. I got to bring Bill in for a minute. Bring bring him in so we could say because he literally just walked in the door. And so in the process of of doing what we have been doing in terms of exposing the deep state for who they are, um, I have talked at length about my family and I've talked at length. Is that Amy? Oh, Kylie's mom is here. It's her birthday, you know. Happy birthday, Kylie, who is Thank been you. with the show. She Amy, came up for my birthday. Happy uh, birthday, number one. And Amy, it's good to see you, too. I know no people at home are saying, what the hell is going on here? It's good to see you, Sean. So it's great to see. So uh, my, I talk about my family a lot, and I talk about how great this country has been to, to immigrants. What do I always say? We want a wall with a door, and I'm very clear that, okay, we need and have to have the right to vet people that come into this country to make sure that they're friends of ours. They want a piece of the American dream. They're not here to bring us harm. And number two, that they have a means to take care of themselves. And I'm a bigger believer in merit-based immigration. If there's a particular field of endeavor that we have a special need, engineers, uh, computer programmers, whatever it happens to be, that, that they get to the top of the list. And maybe it's people working on farms and laborers, whatever it happens to be. We don't care. We just want to make sure that you want to be a part of our family. We don't care where you come from, but we've got to vet you. That's just basic, simple common sense. And we don't have room for the entire world's population. That's another issue. And also the president, there's a lot on borders that are coming up here. Trump did something really brilliant along with the attorney general yesterday. They moved to prevent most migrants from claiming political asylum in the U.S., and then as a result of the attorney general actually citing the law, well, that means that anybody from Mexico that comes through Mexico, that means that Mexico is recognized as a country that has the right to offer asylum, which means if they're here, we can send them back to Mexico where they came from. Anyway, so, so separate issue. But I've talked about all four of my grandparents came from Ireland. They came at the turn of the last century. They came from two counties in Ireland, Cork and Down. And between the four of them, I think they had maybe 30 bucks to their name. And I actually have at my house, I have framed the actual documents from when they, you know, went to Lady Liberty. And they were there and, and the actual documents where they came in legally, et cetera, et cetera. They didn't have any money. They didn't have any government that was going to give them any charity. And they came very poor. And their hope was to build a life for themselves and their families so that their kids and their grandkids, that would be me, could have a better life and future generations would be a part of the American dream. Well, the, the ticket for my family ended up being civil service work, law enforcement work. Uh, my mom worked more 16-hour shifts. She was a prison guard. My dad worked in family court probation. Uh, my grandfathers, they just all struggled. They never had a lot of money at all. And my dad grew up pretty poor in Bed-Stuy in Brooklyn. My mom grew up pretty poor in the South Bronx. Uh, but their goal, when my father served in World War II, four years in the Pacific and came back, it was a big deal to get out of Bed-Stuy, which was not the best part of New York at the time and even parts today. But um, he got a, a 50 by 100 lot, a Cape Cod house, I had three older sisters. We have one bathroom. To me, it was hell on earth. But that was a huge step up for my for my dad. 
Um, and anyway, so my grandfather on my mother's side was named Flynn. I don't think any relations to Lieutenant General Flynn. I don't know. Yeah, we're not related. We have to turn his mic on. Uh, anyway, so my grandfather had a brother. And his brother, my grandfather's name was Cornelius. His brother's name was David. And anyway, so I have this long list of family members that are, all of them were in the NYPD. And I've said on this show many times, but there were two people in my family that were recognized as deity. They had hit the pinnacle. They had made it to the top. And one of them is sitting here before me. This is what happened to you? My grandfather's brother's son, uh, Billy Flynn, Billy Flynn, and Pat Flynn, your your brother who passed away, he passed away in 2012. Right. Yeah. Both of you were in the FBI. How many years did you serve in the FBI? You- uh, about the same with as Pat. 28 years. Right. But I've been retired 20 years. I've been I'm a long old timer. You know. Right. But, but but you knew in our family that was a big deal because everyone was either a cop. My mom was a prison guard. A very big deal. A huge deal. And it doesn't end yet because my sister Mary's, uh, no, my sister Kathleen's daughter, his, her husband is uh, Brian Fuley. He's a he's a uh, a sergeant out in Hackensack PD. Right. But you really you're reaching international now because my brother David in Ireland, yeah. his brother Dave Junior is in the Garda. He's oh really? Really, he is. Yeah, Dave Junior is in the Garda. You know? you, nobody really re- yeah. knows this. I have said it on the air before. Yeah. When I was like 19 or 20, I took the NYPD yeah. test. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I took it. I got a 99 on the written test. I Somehow I passed the psychological. I have no idea. <laughs> that, that, that probably was a mistake on their part. <laughs> then I took the physical. Right. Then I failed the, the – I took Spanish three years in, in high school, so I figured oh, I'll give it a shot, you know, because you got extra points if you could speak English and, and Spanish, but that part didn't work out. But I got appointed to the yeah. New York Police Academy. Yeah. Now, my cousin Eddie went into the police academy. He's yeah. been retired 20 years with the best, you know, he, he retired a, a high-grade detective, and he's been running businesses ever since, and he was the smartest of anybody. He retired at 42. After spending 20 years on the NYPD, you retire with full retirement benefits. It, yeah. You probably don't know this. Pat and I were in the FBI, yes, in New York. My sister Mary, who uh, wound up a principal up in uh, upstate New York, teach, uh, teacher, uh, was accepted and was appointed to the academy, the right. FBI academy, stepped down at the last minute because she met and married my best buddy, Jack McGuire, who was a detective in the 19th precinct. Unbelievable. So, so the law enforcement thing goes on forever. And but it helped our family. Listen, it, yeah. was a, it was a huge, massive opportunity for our family on all sides yep. to you know begin the process of making the American dream work. And you know, I, I say this all the time, but I really believe, Billy, that we stand on the shoulders of your dad and, and my grandfather. Yep. Um, and But for them, we wouldn't be as successful as we are today. My father had two jobs as long as I, I could right. remember. He was a, a foreman, a track foreman for the subways, and he had a job as a night watchman for an oil company up in the, the top of uh, Inwood, Manhattan, on a river up And there. his brother worked for the MTA yeah. or whatever he Whatever he was at, yeah. And then he worked two yeah. jobs. My father and waited you know, tables on the weekends. You know, I forgot. I shouldn't forget this, but my oldest brother, David, who wound up in Ireland, yeah. he was on the PD at one point. The and NYPD. It, and then he went to the fire department where he retired from. So somehow, like, yeah. I remember your dad 
and I would make the drinks for your dad and your mom. <laughs> I, I just remember. You're making drinks for my dad. You were busy. I was very yeah. busy. And your mom, uh, Bridie, which is what we called her. That's right. Bridie, she was always a gin and tonic. She was easy. Yeah. yeah. And your dad was a smoker like everybody back then. And yeah, he man. would take a puff and go. Every time. He, he'd make pop this big pop sound. He made know? this big pop sound. Sean, he, he would tell me. I can't tell you how many times. He'd be sitting there with a pipe and doing the exact same thing. Yeah. Pops. And he'd say. Sure, Billy, I gave up smoking. <laughs> clouds yeah, right. Said, yeah, yeah, I can see that, Dad. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> Makes sense to me. Which is really, really funny. So, you know, I have actually said this on the air. It pains me to have to talk badly and be in, in many, for two plus years now, we're leading an investigation into law enforcement, which I grew up with such respect for. I mean, I, I mean, it is... It's a reverence that I have for police officers. There's a reason they carry guns, because their jobs are dangerous. They're there to protect and serve. And I, in my heart, know that 99% of good people, like yourself, you served 28 years. Your brother yep. served 28 years. My mom yep. lived in a prison 25 years. I mean, it's like living in a prison. She did so many 16-hour shifts. And it just sucks when you see a few bad apples and... And then the reputation of what is the premier law enforcement agency in the world or the premier intelligence agencies in the world be disparaged because of the actions of a few at the top. And I, when you first called into this program, I said to you, I don't like doing this. Now, you know, but you do a good job of making it clear. You differentiate between the grunts, those well, of I, us who are out there doing it, yeah. and them at the top. I was at lunch yesterday with five guys that I worked with. Um, and we just sat there, and we and, and coincidentally, I worked in a unit that executed FISA warrants here in New York. That's as much as I'll say about it. Mm-hmm. We sat there and said, I cannot, we, we couldn't conceive that, they, that these warrants would have been taken and used politically, which is what happened, of course, right? And we were just stunned by it. It would never, ever have occurred to us. See, but think of the magnitude yeah. of it. Call, yeah. call me who says he doesn't spy. Okay, what a joke. He signed the first warrant, and he signed others, I believe. I yep. think it might be as many as three. I know he signed the first one. Comey signs the warrant. He had been warned multiple times. Hillary paid for it. The guy that put it together hates Trump, and it's not verified. And now we have learned because Steele, in an interrogatory right. in Great Britain, right. Steele, under oath threat of perjury, says, I have no idea if any of yeah. it's true, which makes it then unverifiable. But that became... The, as as Andrew McCabe, the deputy FBI director, said, that was the bulk of the FISA application. It's an unverifiable document at that right. point. And they did it to spy on, a, on an opposition party candidate who he was also involved in letting off the hook yeah. when we the evidence of her crimes, Hillary's, is incontrovertible. It, it's extraordinary. But we're kicking it around among ourselves. And believe me, we're all just working guys. Just right. to get it done, people. Grunts, none of us became bosses or anything. Um, we, we feel that Comey caved in to wherever the orders came from, from Loretta Lynch. Loretta Lynch laid it out and said, you will give her a pass. In other words, yeah. it's not an investigation, it's a matter. That's it. It's a ma- Yeah, there you go. Sums it right up. So we have, we hold, the person that we find the most repugnant in this is Comey. Does anybody disagree with you? Any of your FBI friends? You know what, I asked that around. I I, I asked that to these guys yesterday. Does anybody know anybody, you know, in our extended network of contacts that doesn't feel the way we feel? We all said, nope. I have FBI friends now currently working. They tell me that the agency, they feel the damage on the streets. 
I, you know, I, I can't only I can only believe that, but how, you know, how can it not? Well, that's in what... 1971, Sean. I was brand new out of the out of the academy. I go to Chicago. I'm a, a absolute total rookie. I remember the first time that I went out somewhere in public and I, I went to a citizen and I displayed my FBI badge. I felt like I was a saint. I mean, people, oh my God, FBI. I mean, you you were treated with aura. I mean, it was just an incredible set of circumstances back then. And that was the way it was. Anywhere you went, you're with the FBI. Oh, my God. It's well, that's why within our yeah. family circles, yeah. um, I guess unbeknownst yeah. to you, you know, you were looked up at it. You and Pat yeah, were too. looked at as, wow, yeah. those are the, those yeah. these guys made it. They were the biggest guys in the family, you know. Little did I know that I'd have a big mouth. <laughs> you know, we do. We are Irish. We do talk about this stuff. Well, anyway, we're going to have a bit of a reunion tonight, and you're going to come yeah. see the TV show. It's great oh, to I'm have you here. To it. How look, many? I hear there's like a zillion Flynn showing up for you're dinner. Coming out of the woodwork. <laughs> yeah. I, let me tell you, you don't know how popular you are. And coincidentally, as, a, as fate would have it in the family, we're all conservatives. Wow. A couple, a couple of loose cannons. By but, the way, we. Uh, I've never been back to Ireland. Did you ever go? Oh, we've been back there many times. Yeah. They, does anybody in Ireland know who the hell we are? Oh, absolutely. Well, you have my brother David is over there with his yeah. family. My my niece Chris. Can they get Fox News over there? That's I a doubt good question. Unless I don't they have know. Oh, Sean, yeah, I, I know what we're know. gonna do. Are you ready? I okay, that, Billy. I think so my friend was in London. He Billy, was in London. Billy's got to call go. Dave. Dave. We're gonna call Dave, and yeah. we're all gonna stay there. And then we're oh, gonna we're gonna invite ourselves absolutely. to stay. I assume he has a castle. The then. Irish are very welcoming. I'm I'm a McLaughlin. I, I don't like this. I don't like that. Dark beer crap. Okay, we're not Guinness. talking about beer. So we all go over and we do the show from Ireland. Okay, not after what you did on the last vacation. You got I sent a Flynn. You, you got a McLaughlin. You got a Hannity. Not after the way you acted at the Del Coronado. No. You know what? I'm not talking to you. <laughs> I got to tell everybody about. Well, it's great to have you here. Thank um, you. And you know, you think of your family, those of you listening, yeah. and it's all the same story. We stand on shoulders of other people that sacrifice for us to have a better life. So it was just this week. I want to give you a, we put it on Hannity.com, a headline from the New York Times. They confirm the Steele dossier used as a justification to obtain FISA warrant against Carter Page. Well, that was the backdoor. It is July of 2019. Hannity started this in March of 2017. These people that pushed every lie, every conspiracy theory, every hoax, now real, they should have put up a headline, we were wrong, the paper of record, and Sean Hannity and his ensemble team of investigative reporters were right. And by the way, I love how Michael Isikoff tries to hit me for spreading a conspiracy. Isikoff was one of the people that they leaked the dirty dossier to, which we now know is unverifiable and untrue. Mr. Isikoff, you phony conspiracy theorist, hypocrite. Um, he leaked it to impact the 2016 elections. Because why? Because Isikoff is lazy and Isikoff just feeds, literally is the, he is the handoff for whatever lies and conspiracy theories his intel friends want to spread. In other words, he's a propagandist, conspiracy theorist, liar. 
All right, 25 till the uh, top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the problem. All right, so Democrats are freaking out for a lot of reasons. Number one, the deep state circular firing squad. That's A. Number two, now we've got all the investigations ongoing. I mean, the fact that Christopher Steele decided to talk last minute, I know it delayed Horowitz's the inspector general's uh, investigation and report. That's fine. Others coming forward last minute. That's good. That's fine. That helps us get to the truth. Uh, but we know that the uh, that the special prosecutor from Massachusetts, Durham, is is the one that spent nearly 16 hours with Christopher Steele. That's done. And then we have investigations into let, where are the origins of the counterintelligence probe. Then we've got an investigation into Hillary Clinton and the investigation of her, which became really an exoneration and not following the simple basic rule of law that would have put you, me and everybody else in jail. And on top of all of this, they now have their circular firing squad. Now, we're going to get to the bottom of all of this. All of this will become reality for the Democrats, and for the deep state. Now we've got every 2020 candidate. Now, naturally, they're going to be at each other's throats. That's the nature of politics. It's it's a blood sport. It's it's not for the faint of heart. It's not for people that don't like to be in a fight or, or get offended when they're called bad names. Uh, but the Democrats now have a situation where you've got rogue Democrats that are now more powerful than the so-called leaders of the Democratic Party. And we're watching this saga unfold right before our eyes. I guess they're calling it now the squad. The you know, this would include the leader, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who really is the Speaker of the House. She controls the agenda. She sets the agenda. The 2020 candidates are listening more to her than they are Nancy Pelosi or any other Democratic leader. Uh, then we got Congresswoman Tlaib, and then we got Congresswoman Omar, who I'm going to get to in a second. And we have Congresswoman Presley, uh, who wouldn't even call the president the president yesterday. All right, that's fine. But also the Democrats have another problem, is that while these leaders are calling for impeachment and at the Net Roots Convention, the, the really hardcore left wing, which is the base of the Democratic Party, they don't like Nancy Pelosi anymore. She's not liberal enough. And they're now they are now listening to the squad, as it's called. Everyone call it. Anyway, so now they realize Mueller testifying. Hannity might be right again. I want Robert Mueller to testify. Now, Devin Nunes said something last night on Hannity that I think is very insightful and something we need to pay attention to. I have zero doubt that Mueller and the leadership in both the Schiff committee and the Nadler committee are trying to coordinate whatever they're going to do with Mueller. But okay, but there's only so much that House rules will allow in terms of the Democrats controlling the Mueller hearing. And that then presents a problem because that means Jim Jordan is going to ask, the, when did you know that there was no conspiracy or collusion? Why did you allow, what are you saying? Three what? What's three? Cut. All right, look, let me do my thing here. Then you're going to have Doug Collins, and then you're going to have everybody else in between. They're going to ask questions. Why did you care about Farrah violations? Why did you allow Weissman to hire this abusively biased team? Weissman, who in the book License to Lie 
literally lays out all the times that there's exculpatory information that, in fact, is ignored. And that's he becomes Andrew. Andrew Weissman becomes Mueller's pit bull. Okay, that has to be answered. Why do you care about fairer violations? Why do you care about taxi medallions? Why do you care about uh, taxes and loan applications? But you don't care about, let's see, a phony Russian dossier that was leaked and disseminated to the American people before the election to impact the outcome of the election by the same people that exonerated Hillary before they investigated Hillary so that the favored candidate would survive as a candidate, not be charged for the Espionage Act and for what was real obstruction of justice. That would be subpoenaed emails, deleted, bleach bit, hammers, devices, SIM cards removed, etc., So all these questions get to be asked in the process. I thought, you know, your mandate was broad, Mr. Special Counsel Mueller. You were able to go from the Russia collusion of the Trump campaign into Farah violations and loan applications and taxi medallions. Well, why did you not see that there was a warranted investigation into premeditated conspiracy to commit fraud on a FISA court for the purposes of spying on the opposition party candidate with the very bulk of information in the application coming directly from Russia that are unverified and uncorroborated and we now know unverifiable. How did you miss that aspect of the investigation? That's a problem for Democrats. Now, the reason lawmakers from both the House Judiciary and Intelligence Committees are upset about this potential time constraints for next week's hearing with Mueller, if Mueller even shows up next week, both committees have allotted only two hours apiece for sessions. That could mean more junior members don't get to ask questions. Those junior members are furious. They're apoplectic because that's a problem because that runs afoul a of House rules. The House has a rule. It's called Rule 11, Clause 2J, thanks to the Chad Pergram of the Fox News Channel. Uh, And it says that each committee shall apply the five-minute rule during the questioning of witnesses in a hearing until such time as each member of the committee who so desires has had an opportunity to question each witness. In other words, everyone's required to get five minutes under the rules of the House. The problem is... There are almost always opening statements by the chair, by the ranking minority member, the witness, and it takes time to do housekeeping at the beginning of the hearing. And there could be protests, disruptions from the audience, and there are parliamentary inquiries, as Chad points out. And those issues start to devour the two-hour allocations very fast. And by the way, you may recall, he points out that it took an hour and 15 minutes to get to an opening statement of the first day of the confirmation in the Kavanaugh hearings in last September, last September. And then the tactics by the Democrats protesting from the crowd. You see why people are up in arms. And another problem is the Judiciary Committee has 41 members, 24 Democrats, 17 Republicans. If the committees were to abide by the House rule, that's 205 minutes of Q&A alone. That would be three hours and 25 minutes. And things are a little bit better for the Intel Committee because their panel is 22 members, 13 Democrats, 9 Republicans. That's 110 minutes or an hour and 50 minutes, but that doesn't give any wiggle room for time. So now it's a big problem, and they're trying to weasel out of it. And, you know, what they're having all these meetings about it, and what they did this morning is they pressed on whether they would get around to the rules adjourning the hearing, and Nadler would not say and would not 
entertain any questions on the procedures that will take place next week if, in fact, that happens. But what if, in fact, Devin Nunes is right and they're already coordinating with the Democrats? In other words, Robert Mueller's locked in. The Mueller report speaks for itself. No conspiracy, no collusion. That's the fourth investigation, the nine-month FBI investigation. Lisa Page, we found nothing. Peter Strzok, there's no there there. Then the House Intel Committee investigation, nothing. They found no collusion. The Bipartisan Senate Committee, nothing, no collusion. Now we have the Mueller report, no collusion. The idea that Donald Trump saying publicly that Mueller should be fired does not qualify as obstruction. And that was determined, let's see, by the Office of Legal Counsel, the Attorney General of the United States and the Deputy Attorney General Rod Rosenstein, who himself signed the fourth FISA application, the third renewal warrant. So they got themselves a hell of a problem here. Now, where we stand is... that you've got this rogue group of Democrats that are leading the Democratic Party. So, like, first it's collusion, then it's obstruction. Now let's say that Trump is a racist. That's what we'll do. Well, you know, we should impeach him because of its racism. By the way, I remember Barack Obama. I think we have a tape of him, and this comes directly from his book, White Folks' Greed Runs a World in Need. Never mind the stuff that we have and we've gone over about Congresswoman Omar in particular. It is this world, a world where cruise ships throw away more food in a day than most residents of Port-au-Prince see in a year. Where white folks' greed runs a world in need, apartheid in one hemisphere, apathy in another hemisphere. That's the world on which hope sits. And remember, it was black liberation theology, the Church of GD America, etc., etc. So anyway, so all of this is happening now, within Demo- the Democrats are afraid of Jim Jordan, Collins. They're afraid of Gates. They're afraid of Nunes. They're afraid of all of them. And it, it, this is now, you know, now they're going to condemn the president tonight at 7 o'clock in a resolution. Oh, but they wouldn't do that to, let's see, Congresswoman Omar on her virulent anti-Semitism. Why did they not find it worthwhile to say that to her? Look, you have in Congresswoman Omar a virulent anti-Semite on the record. You also have in Congresswoman Omar a person that blamed America for the terrorist attacks at the Kenyan Mall. A person that laughs at how Americans view Al-Qaeda. And we've got all of this on tape. Let's go to the Al-Qaeda tape first. The thing that was interesting in the class was every time the the, the professor said Al-Qaeda, he every time. sort of like his shoulders yeah. went up and, you know. Yeah, he's in command like, here. Al-Qaeda, you know, hospital. He's an expert. And was, <laughs> expert and was, you on know, Al-Qaeda. <laughs> what a put his oh, name on there. Where does he live? saying his name. Uh, yeah. you, you probably get to see him on on CNN. And, uh, yeah, you know. of course. I love those guys. But you know, but 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 it is it is that you don't say America with an yeah. intensity. You yeah. don't say England with yeah. an intensity. Yeah. You know, you don't you don't say um, the army with an intensity. Carter. <laughs> but you say these these names because you you want that that word to carry weight. You want it to leave something. With, yeah, with it has a cultural that's, meaning, that's not just exactly. So it's it's you know it's it's said with a deeper voice. Uh, the, the way they talk about Al-Qaeda. you mean the people that killed three thousand Americans? Yeah, we talk about them that way. Yeah, we're worried about. I don't, I don't think 
you know, you look at the whole history. But by the way, it's no wonder that Omar has a nine percent favorability rating, and that you know, a new poll shows that you know this new leadership of the Democratic Party can, in fact. Uh, help elect Trump. Remember, Trump said, all right, we'll go back to Somalia. And when you fix Somalia, then come back here and you can show us how it's done. Okay. In Somalia, by the way, uh, anybody that consents to an abortion or causes one themselves, they get one to five years in jail. In Somalia, if you publicly bring the religion of Islam into contempt or insult it by bringing into contempt persons professing it or object to dedicated worship, well, you could be punished up to two years. Oh, and by the way, if you happen to be gay, uh, you can get three months to three years in jail. Uh, Yeah, that's a bit of a problem. And then if you look at some of her own questions, she questions the patriotism. She's she loves this country more than American born citizens. Didn't sound like it in that piece that we just talked about or laughing about the way we talk about Al Qaeda. She once blamed America for our involvement in other people's affairs. That was after Al-Shabaab's attack on the Kenyan Mall. We're responsible for that. She claims U.S. forces killed thousands of Somalis during the Black Hawk Down mission. Uh, That is not factually accurate. If you remember, American, American troops' dead bodies were being dragged through the streets in that incident. Maybe she needs somebody to send her a copy of the movie. We'll give her the short version of what real history is or empathy that she is in a bizarre clip. You know, this one that we just played joking about people joking about Al Qaeda and they talk about Al Qaeda in menacing tones. And then there was scrutiny over her past effort to win leniency for nine men accused of trying to join ISIS. Really? And then, of course, the comments about Israel. And it's all about the Benjamins, baby. And uh, then, of course, the House, they can't go after her, but they go after Trump tonight. Really? But this is now the big problem for the new extreme radical Democratic Party, because this is the party now that they're not listening to Pelosi. The Democratic the Democratic 2020 hopefuls, they're listening to Ocasio-Cortez and the squad, and they're taking on the new Green Deal. Everything's for free. Health care is for free, whether you work or unwilling to work. No more oil, no more gas, no more combustion engine, eventually no more cars and no more airplanes. And we'll even get rid of cows because of the impact of flatulence on the ozone layer. That's where they want to take this country. And as the chief of staff for Ocasio-Cortez said, this has nothing to do with climate change. As a matter of fact, the interesting thing about the Green New Deal, quote, is it was originally, it was not originally a climate thing at all. It's not a climate thing. It's a socialism thing. And they, how are we going to pay for it? It doesn't matter how we're going to pay for it. These are promises that can never, ever be fulfilled. And these Democratic hopeful presidents and contenders out there, they are sucking up to all of these crazy ideas. This is going to be a tipping point election for the country, a choice election. It's going to be freedom versus socialism, which in its own way creates a tyranny of addiction to powerful government that will never fulfill the promises they make that everything's free. 800-941-SHAWN, toll-free telephone number. All right, at the top of the next hour, we are loaded up. Carter Page, he was 
the name behind the path to spy on the Trump campaign transition and presidency. That's next. Well, what they're trying to do is set up a case for impeachment against President Trump. If they bring impeachment charges based on the Mueller report, uh, it would be unfair. It would blow up their face politically. President Trump would get reelected. We'd take back the House and the Senate because Mueller said there was no collusion. Uh, the, the facts and the law did not justify bringing an obstruction case. There was no underlying crime. This is all politically motivated. Does anybody really think Jerry Nadler is trying to get to the truth or that he'll do a better job than Mueller? This is people who do not believe Trump is legitimately president. They never accepted the 2016 outcome. I am a little bit concerned that Mueller doesn't purposely try to create a narrative and that he's not working with the Democrats already. Being that this was postponed a week, there's got to be a reason for it. Remember, Bill Barr came out with Rod Rosenstein, said, look, and, and issued a statement, right? He issued a statement. And then a few days later, somebody got to Mueller where Mueller needed to come out, felt it upon himself to come out and make a nine and a half minute statement. Then, of course, later he had to rectify. I fear what's going on right now is that Mueller's working with a lot of his staff who are back channeling to the Democrats. And so it is very possible that Mueller is going to have a few little sound bites that are going to give the Democrats that's exactly what they want. Now, I, as it relates I don't disagree to us, with that at all, by the way. At all. Yeah, and, well, and I think we just, would indicate that. That, that's correct. And so when it comes to Republicans asking questions, I think what we need to do is stick to the facts of the case and not allow Mueller time to either either pontificate and embellish all the time or embellish things that he may want to embellish. We need to ask very specific questions. We don't have to defend the president. The president doesn't need defending because the president never colluded with Russians. And I've been saying this the last week, and I want people to focus on this. This investigation was not about collusion. It wasn't about obstruction of justice. It was about setting obstruction of justice traps. So for the, for the better part of two years, they were hoping the president would fall into it. All right, hour two, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN. If you want to be a part of the program, uh, that was first, uh, if you were listening, that was Lindsey Graham on with Maria Bartiromo, and that was Devin Nunes. Nunes saying something that, you know what, makes a lot of sense based on the previous actions of Robert Mueller and, well, look at the team that he appointed or the fact that he let the hiring go into the hands of his pit bull, the ever-so-corrupt Andrew Weissman, a guy that was waiting for the victory party at the, you know, in New York for Hillary Clinton on the night of 2016 in the presidential election. How did that guy get in charge of picking every person on Mueller's team? Why did Mueller allow that to happen? You know, here's a guy that when you go back to the Enron accounting scandal, uh, what happened? Tens of millions of Americans, they lost their jobs because of his prosecutorial abuse. Read License to Lie by Sidney Powell, who now represents Lieutenant General Flynn, and how on multiple occasions it's been proven that he, that he Weissman, Mueller's pit bull, withheld exculpatory evidence in cases. Well, that's prosecutorial abuse. There's no other way to describe that. And then, of course, he sends four Merrill executives to jail for an entire year. And what happens there? Well, that gets overturned by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals uh, in their decision. When they brought the Enron case to the Supreme Court, that was a 9-0 loss. 9-0. you got to work hard to lose 9-0 in the U.S. Supreme Court. 
Now, I know a lot of you have said, well, where is the inspector general's report? We know the attorney general Barr said that well, we should have it mid-May. Well, there's been a series of developments that have caused its delay. Um, There are rumors running around that, in fact, the new prosecutor out of Massachusetts, Durham, who went and recently interviewed Christopher Steele, uh, that, in fact, he may have impaneled the grand jury. I can't confirm that. I'm, I'm digging around as hard as I can, but I'm getting, you know, some little feedback from some that, in fact, that happened. And uh, more importantly, what will we get to the bottom? Well, those people who were warned repeatedly that Christopher Steele's dossier was full of lies, Russian propaganda and misinformation. As the New York Times suggests, probably Russian disinformation from the beginning. You know, people were warned not to trust it. Nobody verified it. It's unverifiable. Steele himself doesn't stand behind it when push came to shove in that interrogatory in Great Britain. Well, then the question is, if they were warned, meaning the FBI and the Department of Justice, not to trust it, that Hillary paid for it, Steele hates Trump, and it's not verified, why was it used as the basis of the FISA warrants, all four applications, the first one in October 2016, which not only spied on Carter Page, who worked with the intelligence community and was known by the intelligence community for years as somebody that was trustworthy and somebody that they can count on. Why did they why did they use the bulk of the application to be a warrant that's unverifiable? All right. Carter Page is with us now. He was on our Friday night show, our special, what we call our boomerang special what do you think of the idea now Mueller's waiting why what do you think of the fact that Mueller and now the democrats seem scared and they're meeting behind closed doors and they seem afraid to let Mueller come testify carter sean that quote from congressman nunez on your show last night terrific show by the way his uh, his quote about we need to stick to the facts of the case <laughs> let me tell you something if they start sticking to the facts of the case it'll be 180 degrees out from what was actually in that fake Mueller dossier a couple of months ago so i i wish him all the best and i hope they're able to get there but so far what we've seen from Mueller's team including Jeannie Ree and all these guys you know it's uh it's been pretty ugly but we'll have to wait and see i guess well i think we're going to have to see but you know it was the first time that you ever revealed a few critical details from your May 2017 FBI counterintelligence meetings. You had originally never spoken to the press about those meetings until someone in the swamp eventually leaked details to Dev, uh, Devlin uh, Barrett at the Washington Post later that year, creating another chapter, if you will, in the Russia witch hunt media storm. Uh, what was leaked in that article well you know they basically said uh and i I get a call from devlin that uh later that year and he says well we're told that you've been having all these uh fbi meetings uh a few months ago so what can you tell us about that and um so you know i was reluctant you know because typically i don't talk about fbi meetings i don't talk about you know anything that's with the uh, in, uh, counterintelligence people of the U.S. government, but unfortunately, these criminal leakers. You know, it's another example. This is just a couple of months after my FISA was first revealed, and so, you know, he uh, I had to respond. You know, so I'm I'm constantly put in that. Uh, catch-up space um, where, you know, exactly it's a great segue from what we were just talking about, you know, with what uh, Congressman Nunes told you last night. We need to stick to the facts, and it's been absolutely the opposite. You know, they just keep throwing out this spin. 
you, you were explaining to me that the FBI made the argument to you that there were three groups that did you wrong in 2016. One was the Democrats, the Clinton campaign, uh, the media mob, and the and the third one is the Trump campaign. <laughs> yeah, I was shocked with that third one, Sean, and that's where I really had to start pushing back. Um, you know, and they, you could tell just based on our conversation that that's really where they wanted to focus their efforts. You know, and I think actually your great show uh, on on Friday. Well, I want to make yeah, sure yeah. You, the FBI made this argument to you that these were people that did you wrong. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, I, and that's uh, we didn't have. Uh, you know, I haven't. I've never talked about this, but you know. I really pushed back on them hard and showed them a lot of evidence about, to the contrary, you know, everything that uh, my name was used as a way to interfere in the election. This is the FBI working with the DNC consultants, Fusion GPS and Christopher Steele, to put out this false storyline on September 23rd, 2016, uh, seven weeks, uh, six, uh, six, seven weeks before the election, you know, with this fake story that they spent, you know, um, millions of dollars to get out to the uh, in the media. So, well, I mean, why don't you explain it in, in some detail? How did you respond to the FBI? And, you know, in other words, tell the longer story that you told them as for the Trump campaign. Nothing was further for the truth. And then you talked about the evidence. You brought a PowerPoint presentation. <laughs> Tell us about that. Yeah, you know, and a part of it is sort of an evidence trail, right? And I'm, I'm so glad I kept that because throughout those conversations, I constantly, um, you know, I because I had had some experience where it was a little bit of a mixed reaction um, with the FBI previously. I actually, uh, you know, a, now a Fox News contributor, I included a uh, an article from um, Andrew C. McCarthy, uh, former assistant U.S. attorney in the Southern District in New York, uh, which had just come out the week before my, my meeting with them on March 16th. And, you know, a quote, it's amazing how much, uh, you know, how, how Andy was uh, ahead of this Curve, But he said, quote, in his article, the big scandal here is not possible Trump-Russia collusion uh, with Russia. And he goes on, you know, with a question, it would be uh, a question of, is Obama have his, his thumb on the scale? And they actually, with your colleague Rush Limbaugh, there is another uh, in his broadcast on March 9th, 2017, he had a terrific quote. You know, you better be careful here because you might get what you want which is an investigation into what you've been doing. So he's... Oh, they, they're, they're now getting it. Well, let me ask you, would you ever be willing to come on, uh, because it's a PowerPoint, would you be willing to come on Hannity and share the whole PowerPoint? Yeah, let's do it. You'd be, you know, there. Um, I, I think, yeah, there's there's a lot that I could, uh, we could do that. I mean, for. the whole PowerPoint. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Most, I, I need to check, you know, there's, uh, there's a lot of slides we can go through. Some of it may be... Uh, you know, going back into some intelligence matters. But but uh, you brought this to each of the FBI meetings that you had that month. I kept updating it. I kept, you know, the things would come up in our meeting. And this this particular update on, well, right, on so March 20th. Go yeah. ahead. Explain what you're saying to them. <laughs> well, you know, I, basically, the uh, I, I continued saying, you know, I actually there was an tr- amazing quote from you'll, you'll never. I know our country will never forget the great. Uh, RNC speech that uh, then candidate Trump gave in July 2016. And there's there's a great quote in there where he says, nobody knows the system better than me, which is why I alone can fix it. 
I have seen firsthand how the system is rigged against our citizens. And it's amazing how exactly what he was saying those days was what happened against him and against his campaign over the months that followed. And, you know, of course, uh, Mrs. Clinton wasn't very happy about that. And she kind of mocked him the next uh, the next week at the DNC convention in Philadelphia. And her quote was, don't believe anyone who says I alone can fix it. But, you know, I think there's a lot there where, you know, I think President Trump, from a foreign policy standpoint, has been trying to get our country going in the right direction. And you, you've covered it great on the show in terms of all the developments, how our country is, is really getting back on track. But I think one thing which has, you know, remains a uh, an open issue is U.S.-Russia relations. And that's kind of what I was pushing with the FBI, because he's he has some great ideas, but he's been totally handcuffed in terms of what he can achieve thus so far. You basically debunk the FBI with your PowerPoint right in <laughs> front of them, and which I think is amazing. And, you know, you bring these to three of the five meetings and, you know, it shows how that you were used, uh, you, you know, using that to rebut them. And then you actually tweet out for the, the first two slides before featuring a highly relevant media quotes. And yeah. and and they still don't care about truth, do they? Real well, I, Sean, I, I think it's an important distinction that you make every, you know, so often on, on your shows. It's not the rank and file. It's the remember, this is March 2017. The, the date is important there. Because at that time, Mr. Comey is the director of the FBI, and then Mr. McCabe is the deputy director, right? And I think what we've learned over the years since is how, you know, how totally off track they were. And I think we're just starting to see the tip of the iceberg in terms of some of that Got to take a break. We'll come back. We'll continue with Carter Page on the other side, 800-941-SEAN, toll-free telephone number. We also have coming up in the program our news roundup information overload. Great Hannity tonight. All right, as we continue, Carter Page is with us, uh, former foreign policy advisor to Donald Trump. I, I am, I'm amazed that you did this PowerPoint issue. I only have a minute left here, and I, I just I want you to go through what are people going to see, and we'll either air it Thursday or Friday night on Hannity. And how many pages in the PowerPoint? Uh, there's uh, about eight or so. Yeah, those are the main pages. Yep. And we'll we'll put them up on the screen. You'll explain it all. This is what you told the FBI, basically educating them on how wrong they are. Well, not only that, Sean. You know, t- t- pushing back on that point, I said some of the some of the best people in the world are the you know members of the Trump movement who I was working with, you know, for a few months in 2016, uh, 2016 which was. Um, before the election interference was taken apart, you know, taken in the, with the Democrats with their fake media uh, story in September 2016, which then was used the following month, as you've correctly noted, in the fraudulent FISA warrant. Well, I have here, by the way, we put this up on Hannity.com. Uh, Hannity.com. Oh, the New York Times has confirmed the Steele dossier was used as a justification to obtain the FISA warrant against Carter Page. Date. July 9th, 2019. Uh, you're only two and a half years late, you idiots. They should have tuned in at Hannity a yeah. few times. <laughs> All right, so we'll do that later in the week. Uh, we are getting to the truth, finally, and this confirms it. Quick break. Carter Page, thank you. Come, we'll come back. Your call is much more straight ahead Thanks, on the Sean Hannity Show. All right, as we continue on Sean Hannity Show, 800 941 Sean, if you want to be a part of the program. 
I want to go back to what I have been saying and now others have finally picked up on, and that is an all-out civil war that is broken out within the Democratic Party, and you really have these freshman congresswomen, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, Congresswoman Tlaib, Omar, and Ayanna Presley, they're pretty much in charge. And, you know, the media's been saying, well, Hannity's saying this is a conspiracy, that, that Nancy Pelosi's not really the speaker, and that really it's Ocasio-Cortez. Well, technically, yes, Pelosi's the speaker. But I'm arguing in name only. Because remember, last week, when Pelosi pulled all the caucus into a room, she said, if you have something to say, you tell me right to my face. Only took a couple of hours for Ocasio-Cortez to go out publicly again and say what she thinks about Pelosi attacking this group of four women now and uh, basically saying that she's only attacking them because they're people of color. Well, let me translate. Pretty much calling Nancy Pelosi a racist. All right. How did we get here? You know, and they, this feud is now going on. It's Speaker Pelosi in name only. We see that the 2020 Democratic presidential hopefuls, they're all... They're all listening to Ocasio-Cortez and company. They're not listening to Pelosi. So, meanwhile, it's uh, it's now coming to a head as they have this group of four yesterday, which I actually thought was entertaining. There's one thing I do like about Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I do like about her. And that is she is not ever going to listen to Nancy Pelosi, and which I think is kind of Tough on her part. She's showing some courage of her convictions, and she is going to influence this party as much as she possibly can. And I, what are they calling it? The the four squad or the squad? What, the you know, squad. I don't know. What, whatever they want to call But these four women have more power, I'm arguing, than the entire leadership of the Democratic Party in the House and Senate combined. And they're certainly having more influence on the 2020 candidates. Anyway, it all got started by Congresswoman Ayanna Presley, who launched a racial attack against Pelosi's allies, even some of them in the Congressional Black Caucus. Listen. For all of you that have aspirations of running for office, for whatever lived experience and identity that you represent, if you are not prepared to come to that table and to represent that voice, don't come. Because we don't need any more brown faces that don't want to be a brown voice. We don't need black faces that don't want to be a black voice. We don't need Muslims that don't want to be a Muslim voice. We don't need queers that don't want to be a queer voice. All right, but then she goes on. She won't identify the president for who he is, the occupant of the White House. I will always refer to him as the occupant, as he is only occupying space, not embody the grace, the empathy, the compassion, the integrity that that office requires and that the American people deserve. Our squad is big. And given the size of this squad and this great nation, we cannot, we will not be silenced. Then up steps Congresswoman Omar, who has, again, the so-called squad of far-left freshman congresswomen are now using identity politics against their own party. End goal, they say, is to reshape America. That Remember, the Green New Deal, we told you, is not about the environment. It's not about climate change. It's, it's a Its primary purpose has been and remains to move our economy from a free market opportunity society towards guaranteed everything, socialism, redistributionism, 
where the government even controls the means of production. Just like Ocasio-Cortez says, we'll tell you how to run your business. Gee, thanks. By the way, as a matter of fact, the chief of staff for Ocasio-Cortez recently said, well, the interesting thing about the Green New Deal is it wasn't originally a climate thing at all. It's not today a climate thing. And she only has a 22 percent approval rate. Meanwhile, uh, uh, Congresswoman Omar only has a 9 percent approval rate. Uh, but if you look at some of the extreme comments of Omar, she's claiming, by the way, that she's more she loves America more than people that were born here. Well, she has a funny way of showing it when she says stuff like this. Why can't you be more like an American? Because it, it used to be a very positive thing. Um, we export American exceptionalism, the great America, the land of liberty and justice. That is, you know, if you ask anybody in uh, walking on the side of the street somewhere in the middle of the world, they will tell you America the great. But we don't live those values here. Um, and so that hypocrisy is one that I'm bothered by. I want America the great to be America the great. Care was founded after 9-11 because they recognized that some people did something and that all of us were starting to lose access to our civil liberties. The thing that was interesting in the class was every time the, the, the professor said Al-Qaeda, he sort of like his shoulders yeah. went up and, you know, yeah, he's in command like, here. Al-Qaeda, you know, has he's an expert. And it, was, <laughs> and it was, you know, as What's his it, name? As, what are putting his name on the not, area? We, we what are does not he not learn? saying his name. Uh, yeah. you, you probably get to see him on, on CNN. Uh, yeah, of course. I love those guys. But, you know, but, but, but it, is, it is that you don't say America with an yeah. intensity. You yeah. don't say England with yeah. an intensity. Yeah. You know, you don't, you don't say um, the army with an intensity. Carter. <laughs> but you say these, these names because you, you want that, that word to carry weight. You want it to leave something with yeah, it has a cultural meaning, not just exactly. So it's it's you know it's it's said with a deeper voice. All right, yeah, <laughs> I don't hear anything funny about nine eleven and three thousand Americans getting killed or the name Al Qaeda. Anyway, joining us to discuss and debate and have a good old time about it is Kaylee Maganini, National Press Secretary for Trump 2020. Jeff Lord, author of the bestseller Swamp Wars: Donald Trump and the New American populism versus the old order. Um, you know, to me, I think the media has got it all wrong in terms of, okay, the, the phrase love it or leave it about America is not a new phrase. And when the president said, okay, go back to Somalia where they have the strictest laws against women and gays and lesbians and abortion, etc., go fix the country you came from, then come back and show us how to do it. I thought the president was being snide and sarcastic, for sure, uh, but the media didn't see it that way, as usual, uh, Kaylee McEnany. Yeah, that's exactly right. This is a pretty basic principle, Sean. If you despise this country, if you go on and on uh, with anti-American rhetoric, and by the way, yesterday when Ilhan Omar was asked about al-Qaeda, uh, and if she supported al-Qaeda or had any affinity for al-Qaeda, she wouldn't answer the question. So if you're going to spew anti-American rhetoric and cannot denounce al-Qaeda, it is a very simple proposition. Why are you here? Why are you taking advantage of the American dream that, by the way, millions are waiting in line for, millions are putting their lives 
for and crossing the border. Uh, but we have a disgraceful group of Congresswomen who just decry America and everything that they take advantage of that this country has to offer. And that's the thing, Jeff, that the media won't focus on. We're talking about in Omar's case, a virulent an anti-Semite. Uh, you're talking about someone that is blaming America you know, even what happened in the mall in Kenya, she's blaming America for that. And it's our actions that caused it and laughing at how Americans, ha ha ha, re- react to Al Qaeda, which killed nearly 3000 Americans on 9-11. I don't think any of that's funny. And uh, but none of this is discussed by the mainstream media mob. Why is that? Yeah, because they're on her side. I mean, that's that's the thing that really frosts here. I call these four members of Congress the resegregationists. I mean, this is straight from the old Democratic Party playbook. Use race, divide by race to get elected and then pass whatever is the progressive agenda of the moment. They're doing the same thing that people like with names like Woodrow Wilson did decades ago in the last century and in the century before that. There's nothing new here. And that's what's so that's what's so irritated. And the media has now joined up with them. I mean, some of the stuff that has been on CNN and in the Washington Post is just disgraceful, utterly disgraceful, playing the race card all of the time. Yeah, well, I mean, they do it against Republicans. It's fascinating because Donald Trump came to Nancy Pelosi's defense right? Uh, when the four freshman congresswomen accused her of attacking women of color. And meanwhile, two days prior, uh, she accused Trump of wanting to make America white again. Uh, but still the president came to her defense. But the reality is, who's in charge of the Democratic Party? Uh, I don't think it's Nancy Pelosi, uh, Kaylee McEnany. I think that basically that this is a party that has moved radically to the left. And as a result, we are seeing the impact on the Democratic side. They, they have no idea how to deal with this radical wing of their party. And as a matter of fact, the 2020 candidates are all sucking up to them. Yeah, that's exactly right, Sean. You know, Nancy Pelosi has handed over the gavel on a silver platter to the freshman radicals. Uh, and you see it with the Democratic debate contenders all embracing the radical proposals. And you see it with the anti-American rhetoric uh, that's so prevalent. And, and they say, by the way, I, w- I will not be silent, is what the freshman radicals tell us. Well, good. I'm so thankful you won't be silent because Axios shows the Democrats' internal polling shows AOC with a 22% approval rating and Elhan Omar with a 9% one. So keep talking. Talk loudly. We'll amplify it over at the Trump campaign proudly because you are our best advertisement for why President Trump should be reelected. Okay, so Sean, yeah, go ahead. So I, I, I went back today and was reading an article in the New York Times from 1970 when I was in college. I remember this. Went back and looked. There were a bunch of protesters, protest white liberal college kids with long hair, protesting the Vietnam War on Wall Street. And they were out of the blue swarmed by a mob of construction workers, hard hats, who were yelling, according to the New York Times, love it or leave it. (laughs) And this was the sort of the beginning of the realization that the Democratic Party was so far gone left that two years later, Richard Nixon would carry 49 states in his reelection bid when he'd only won 41 the presidency in 68 with 43 percent of the vote. And he comes back with a landslide. This is exactly the kind of thing that's happening. These people are making themselves the face of the Democratic Party. And I am sure that there are some Democrats who are mighty unhappy with it. 
Well, I think, too, that, you know, I know there are Republicans. They don't like the fact that the president, you know, fights back. Quick break. More with Kaylee McEnany and Jeff Lord on the other side. All right, news roundup, information overload hour, Sean Hannity Show, 800-941-SEAN, if you want to be a part of the program. I think this top story, this this is the biggest issue now that is heading into 2020. And that is, it is very simply, is we've got a divide among the deep state that is becoming a civil war. Now, we are going to get all the things we promised. You're going to get the FISA applications. We're going to get unredacted materials but because of new developments, not the least of which is, oh, Christopher Steele is now willing to talk. OK, that delays the inspector general's report about FISA abuse. Lindsey Graham has been clear. Attorney General Barr has been clear. They are looking into the origins of how this Russia counterintelligence investigation began. Well, the, what they're trying to do is set up an, a case for impeachment against President Trump. If they bring in impeachment charges based on the Mueller report, uh, it would be unfair. It would blow up their face politically. President Trump would get reelected. We'd take back the House and the Senate because Mueller said there was no collusion. Uh, the, the facts and the law did not justify bringing an obstruction case. There was no underlying crime. This is all politically motivated. Does anybody really think Jerry Nadler is trying to get to the truth or that he'll do a better job than Mueller? This is people who do not believe Trump is legitimately president. They never accepted the 2016 outcome, and they're trying to destroy his presidency. This is just another effort to destroy Donald Trump. It will blow up in their face. And I promise your listeners that after Horowitz issues his report about the flawed FISA warrant, I'm going to deep dive into how all this stuff started. How could it go so far if there was no collusion? Do you share my concerns about the FISA warrant process? Yes. Do you share my concerns about the counterintelligence investigation, how it was opened and why it was opened? Yes. Do you share my concerns that the professional lack of professionalism in the Clinton email investigation is something we should all look at? Yes. Do you expect to change your mind about the bottom line conclusions of the Mueller report? No. Then we've got, yes, they're looking into Hillary Clinton and the investigation well, really, what is the exoneration before the investigation of Hillary Clinton? And then immediately thereafter, the same people, the same Trump haters and Hillary lovers, they turn their sights on Trump. We've now had four separate investigations. We also have how do we how do we possibly handle what's happening as it relates to, oh, my God, uh, everybody hates each other. Now, all of this is coming to the fore now in the deep state. Well, now we've got 2020 candidates. They're all at each other's throat, and all of them have been kind of aligned against sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe, who we learned, oh, did you see this yesterday, Linda? We now found out just before he announced he's running for president, guess who froze up his records from the United States Senate so none of us can have access to them? The same guy that's saying Donald Trump ought to release his taxes. That would be sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe. So they're all after him. Now, all of them, and this is where the big picture comes in, because, look, naturally that's going to become at some point even a, a bigger, bigger circular firing squad. But even more importantly, that intramural squabble, which is now an outright battle and contention, it's amazing how many people think, yeah, it's going to be Kamala Harris. Now, I don't know if it's going to be Kamala Harris. I don't know if Uncle Cre Crazy Uncle Joe is done. 
Uh, I don't know if Mayor Pete somehow touches the hearts. He's such a dynamic individual on the stump joke. Um, or maybe it's Elizabeth Warren. But there's going to be some combination thereof. I don't think it's any of these lesser players. Corey Booker is a pipe dream. Um, but that's just looking at the polls. That's where we are. But now the bigger issue is, OK, now we've got the big fight within the Democratic Party in the House and the Senate. And now we've got what is called the squad. Uh, and it's now a firing squad. And this is now a rogue party led by four freshman congresswomen who now every 2020 candidate needs to suck up to. They all have adopted, all the 2020 candidates have adopted a good portion of this Green New Deal, meaning they want to eliminate oil and gas, which is the lifeblood of our economy. Do you know how many jobs leave the day we make that dumb decision? Do you understand the economy as we know it collapses? If we retrofit or mandate the retrofitting of every building in America, who's going to pay for all of this? And a lot of people won't do it. What? We're now going to round them up. They won't round up people that don't respect our borders, laws, sovereignty. But I'm sure they'll round up Americans that don't retrofit their homes green or their buildings green. We're actually making the Green New Deal come alive here in New York City. So we have our own Green New Deal. It's three very basic ideas. One, uh, the biggest source of emissions in New York City is buildings. We're putting clear, strong mandates. The first of any major city on the earth to say to building owners, you got to clean up your act. You got to retrofit. You got to save energy. If you don't do it by 2030, there will be serious fines as high as a million dollars or more for the biggest buildings. And this mandate is going to guarantee that we reduce emissions. We're going to ban the classic glass and steel skyscrapers, which are incredibly inefficient. If someone wants to build one of those things, they can take a whole lot of steps to make it energy efficient, but we're not going to allow what we used to see in the past. Uh, and the city of New York, the government, which uses about as much energy in a, a year as do the people and the businesses of the state of Vermont, we are going to get all of our energy from renewable sources in the next five years. Well, how, well, what what are what are landlords going to start doing if they have to retrofit? They're going to start raising rents. They're not going to want to pay that price. Well, by the way, that probably also is task impossible. And we're not going to we're now going to punish people that want to build buildings. OK, you can't make it with glass. You can't make it with steel. Well, what what does that do to the carpenters, the steel workers, the electricians, the plumbers, uh, the painters and everybody involved in every part of that process of building a building. Usually a building goes up in New York. That is years worth of work for all of the trades. Well, Comrade de Blasio, great job on the blackout this weekend from Waterloo, Iowa, Mayor Comrade de Blasio. Um, but the, it, it, we can't build another building in New York. What are we going to use as materials? Well, we can't use trees. I don't know if you could do it anyway. We can't have trees built because then we're we're literally, you know, taking and plundering the, the forest, even though it's a renewable resource. Although I'd like big redwood trees to stay. I think we should be good stewards of the the environment, um, all of which is it just raises questions everywhere. Now you go to a simple fundamental point. We are now, this is so deeply embedded within the Democratic ranks 
There's no getting out. I don't see the door that they can choose that they're all going to suddenly align. If Nancy Pelosi late last week calls in the entire Democratic caucus and says, if you've got something to say to me, say it here in the caucus, say it to my face. And hours later, the, you know, liberal freshmen say, we're not listening to you. And now Joe Biden today was sucking up to the four freshman congresswomen. He already tried to do that by adopting the new Green Deal. And yet his track record is atrocious and everything in between. What are you what are you saying? The, you, the thoughts are racing through your mind because I can see them. I mean, you're on a tear, so I don't want to interrupt. You know, when you're on a roll, you know, you, you got some things to say. I don't I don't like to interrupt you. I mean, I do like to, but, you know, I'm, I'm restraining myself because you got mm-hmm. some good stuff to say. However, I would like to remind everybody that, you know, the power outage and the blackout and what happened I'm wondering if the reason why the infrastructure is such a hot mess in presidential Democratic candidate Bill de Blasio's home city is because his wife stole $900 million. And nobody seems to know where it is, and they keep forgetting. I mean, all we need to do is look at each and every one of these candidates and say, stop talking, what have you done for me lately? And you know what? They've done a whole lot of nothing. Yeah, Pete they've done Buttigieg, a whole lot of- de Blasio, Kamala Harris— these people should be ashamed of themselves. Why don't you try getting an A in the job you're in now before you try getting the top job? I don't know about you, but I don't get promoted for doing a bad job. I get promoted for doing a good job. And each and every one of these people are doing worse than the one before. have I given you over the years? Where'd you start at? Well, once you made me boss, I just promoted myself. Okay, you're not the boss. Let me, let me correct you. <laughs> I'm the not the boss. That can't be true. Okay. That's, it's, that's it's fake the, news. It's the Sean Hannity show. Which, oh, absolutely. Which, by the you're way, the talent. when you were in San Diego. I'm the boss, but you're the talent. No, I'm the <laughs> boss of the show. Now. And Linda that's why, is the that's boss. That's why when you're acting like such a. a, 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 a Go ahead, cra- say it. Go a, ahead. You're acting like a crazy woman when you were on First vacation. Of all, you and are obsessed you with You go this to trip. the Del Coronado. You know and, what? I'm going to be very nice to you because you're having a tough day today. I am not having a tough day. You know day what, today. ladies and gentlemen? I'm going to give. The little people I am not, love this. I am not I'm having give a little a tough behind day. the scenes. So we had a power outage in New York City, and you know, as we were just talking about, and so Bill De Blasio's power outage knocked out everything. So all of our systems are reset. It's a hot mess. So yesterday we were so happy because we didn't have too much drama. Today we had tons of drama, and the systems are going nuts, and none of the mics are working. And Sean was incredibly patient and kind. Such a sweet demeanor as we figured this out. I mean, he's just always so good about these things. It's something that I think he's culminated over the years, this ability to be patient and just kind of sit there. And I say to him, I'm like, Sean, I'm so sorry. You know what he says to me? He goes, Linda, we all have our jobs to do. You do what you do. We understand. When we were in, I believe it was Great Britain, and we're five minutes to airtime, about 40 minutes to airtime, I make the executive call. You are you, not. You were a prince. I said, Unbelievable. I said to you and Blair, we all literally had to change hotels because there was no way we were getting this radio okay, show Okay, you're up. really underselling this. What happened was... Why are you interrupting and stepping on my story? Because you're the talent. I'm the boss. No, no, no. I need to you're, help you're, you out, all right, you know? you're, Let me tell you, you're not the boss. You're an executive You're not the boss the of me. You're not my father. I'm the you're chief. You're not God. You're not my... my boss. My boss, Exactly. Uh, oh, guess what? He's if on, I live in a van whoa, whoa, down whoa, whoa, whoa. by the river. The bagel guy's on Hannity tonight. No. He's on Hannity tonight. Yeah. Tell me you're joking. I am not joking. Let's rack the tape. Yeah, he is going to be on the show tonight. 
We better have our delay working. Yeah, I'm like, uh, I don't know. If that's no, we're going to put him on TV. And by the way, I'll ask him to come on the radio show tomorrow. Oh, fantastic. That'd be great. We'll put him on for a long period of Absolutely. time. Absolutely. We'll talk to the, the bagel guy. If you don't remember, this, he, before he got taken down by somebody in the bagel shop, he just kind of started ranting and said this. Why is it okay for women to say, oh, you're five feet on dating sites? You should be dead. That's okay. Who said that to you here? Nobody. The women in general have said it on dating sites. You think I'm making that yeah. Everywhere I go, I get the same f-ing smirk with the biting lip. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boss. Dude, you want to step outside? You want to step outside? Huh? I'm not standing, pal. You shut up, dude. Just like a guy in the attack. Oh, my God. Are you going to have bagels on set for him? Because I think that's going to be, that might be on his list. You know, everybody, some people like brown m and I, I just don't know if he's going to do the belly bump. I'm, I, I'll have to warn him not to do anything like that because I am trained and I don't want to have to defend myself because I'm going to hurt him. I don't want to hurt him. Supposedly, Clearly he's used supposedly to he just inked a deal to possibly fight other uh, celebrities from like I online. heard about I heard about that. I, I don't you know. He might get in some legal trouble. It's lucky we have a sponsor like LegalZoom that can help people out. Well, that's make true. Good decisions. But uh, I hope he does. And I, listen, I hope we can end up getting along. Maybe I'm, I'm going to try and get to the bottom of why he feels the, the way he feels. Are you bringing on Dr. Drew? No, I'm bringing on Dr. Hannity. Oh, why Dr. Need... Hannity. Pardon me. Now, just remember, I'm the chief. Of, I am the CEO, the boss, the top boss. Of the belly you, bumpers. Got it. You are... One of the, you are top in management of the show. I'm top in management. Yeah, but you are not the boss. Now you, you get to be, you have people underneath you that, that report to you, not me, but you have to report to me. Because it's a Sean Hannity show. I'll so, tell you one thing. I'm going to use legal. So, like the way you act, the way you acted out in San Diego was not you following the proper protocols of. Well, I, I reset. Management asked me to reset no, the protocols. I'm, waiting, so for I the, I'm waiting for the apology. Oh, it's going to be yet. a cold day in hell, brother. Oh yeah, yeah. What's well, the cold day in hell when I ever try and do something nice oh, again? Oh, don't worry. You're all. Oh, set. it's not going to happen. Never. I'll never do it. Never. Why bother? You go off into the not sunset even, with the bagel boy. Not even your mother is like texting me behind the scenes. I'm so sorry for Linda's behavior. Oh, okay. You know what? Well, Listen, yeah. Pinocchio. <laughs> Do your read. All right, Steve. I don't know why you guys are so excited. Yes, the bagel guy is coming on Hannity tonight. Is that how you're going to introduce him? I don't know. I will, no, I'll introduce him by his name, and we'll show the video. And we'll this remind is the bagel people. guy. He lives in a van. Apparently, he's got pictures now. He, some porn star he met in the process of all. The intern found the picture. He's 22. That's even, this why, is Charlie. Oh, great. How is he looking at whatever? It came up in his uh, news feed. In his news feed. Yeah, from Google. From Google. Well, another reason. See, parents, be careful what your children so are looking at. So one day, at. we're doing a Freedom concert in Vegas, and Ron Jeremy, who I had no idea who the guy I was no idea nothing I didn't know a thing about him and he, he the, Beckel goes that's Ron Jeremy you better not take pictures with him and those girls he's with I'm like why not yeah he was escorted out of the backstage no but I mean the guy I shook his hand I said nice but I said we said no pictures did you have sanitizer afterwards <laughs> oh Jesus I don't know if, I think we should take a break this is not my world that is not that's right you're the talent I'm the boss <laughs> no I'm and the boss. break know your place please oh Know the pecking order of the show.
Uh, Sean? Yes. <laughs> we'll come back. We'll continue. Your call's on the other side. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800. So the pecking order of the show is I am the CEO. I am the Are we back owner. on this again? You know, yes. when you have to explain yourself this much, you we, it's are, a problem. I am, I am the boss. You need to get this in your head that, okay, you, why do you call me boss? Because I'm the boss. Because hey, if anyone ever finds oh, you my don't call phone, me boss. You go, hey, boss. That's hey, what boss. I say, hey, boss. Hey, boss. How you doing, boss? Okay. Now, How do I spell it on now. text? How do I spell it on text? Uh, B-O-S-S, the normal No, one. I don't. I spell it B-A-W-S-S. It, it depends on the day. All right, so in this room, we have Jason. Jason reports to you. We have Ethan. Ethan reports to you. Katie reports to you. Everybody in that room reports to you. And? And then... Blair if, says I'm not the boss of him. Someone didn't yeah, tell Yeah, Blair, him. you actually... I'm, she's your boss. Sorry. Oh! You report to yeah. her. It's a tough day. Uh, listen, I'm just telling the truth. Even this dopey intern that you hired is... Uh, no, I love Charlie. Charlie, you really a conservative? And what were you doing looking up the he bagel guy and the picture with the... It came up in the news What feed? news feed? I want to know the name of the news feed. Google has something called a news feed. This is beyond your technical prowess, as you have been so oh. honest about on the show. I'm sorry. Okay. I get news feeds all the time. I get Apple News, AOL so why are you News, asking I get me what Fox News, I get all sorts of Google News. So what news. happens when a news feed? You get stories that you have no interest in. Sometimes you get stories about a bagel guy and his porn star girlfriend. All right, I never saw that I'll come up on my news feed. Oh, really? I'll so text it to you. Anyway, we'll so the bagel guy's going to be on Hannity. Time. Any questions <laughs> you want me to ask him? Uh, yeah, a lot. Well, I'll tell you, the, I, I'm going to ask him because it's important. I'm saying, why do you care what people think about you? And this is an important question. Okay, well, why do you care about what people think of your height or the, how you look? Oh, I care. Or why is that ever so important to you? Important to all of us. Anybody who says that they don't care is full. Of Why crap. is he taking it so personally? There's nothing you can do about certain traits that you have as an individual. Because his height ends where other people's bellies begin. It's a very tough. <laughs> it's really, it's hard. Okay, you were bragging yesterday how you once dated somebody that happened to be really short. So he what? Was was he a nice person? He was lovely he until a, I dumped him. Did, did he have a good heart and soul? At times. At times, I guess that's why he got dumped. <laughs> really but you didn't have. You did not have a problem dating him because of his height this is correct okay i think at the end of the day at when when every push everything this is away true, as ethan has just reminded me of a can, long list of boyfriends all different yeah. i was very popular well you were you've admitted on the air that you've been popular right I, is popular like code for like she gets around no like, what does that mean well actually you've been very clear about those issues on the air <laughs> past shows too that that's not who you are you Howard have, Stern, watch out. No, I know. All right. But the fact is, that's not who you are. But you you have had no problems in your life getting boyfriends, have you? No. No. Okay. You've been pretty popular most of your life. Sure. <laughs> okay. And by that, well, because some people, you know, are, are not the most outspoken I or think when charismatic. Me, the first thing they think is. No, they don't think, good Lord, <laughs> Blair. No, no, wait a minute, Blair. That's after they first hear her. Then they say, good Lord. They say, it's subordination in him. <laughs> no, the first thing that people think when they meet me is, what a friendly girl. Oh, she is so friendly. You yeah. know you know, you know what I this is reminding me of? This is, this is reminding me of a person that looks in the mirror and has a distorted view of themselves. Like, for example, somebody that is in great shape will think they look in the mirror and they see, oh, my gosh, I'm fat. 
And there's nothing, and they're not. Well, like you with your manorexia. I'm not manorexic. You are manorexic. No, I work out like an animal. That's just and who you I am. eat like a twig. Well, when you get to be my age, Linda, one day, oh, and, God. and you'll realize your metabolism is not quite up to the, the, the standard that it once was, and for whatever reason, you that can't- That doesn't mean you start you sipping broth. I love sipping broth. Like you can't eat the quantity of food that you once did with the same vigor. Look, I watched my son. My son- You had cabbage and butter today. I watched- No, I did not have cabbage and butter today. Have well, you ever had cabbage and butter for a meal? No, not. I don't use butter. <laughs> oh, what do you use? Uh, smart balance. Oh, okay. Sorry. 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 It's a big the difference. butter substitute, the alternative. I mean, not a lot, just a little, yeah. Right. Butter so that's, and salt. That's a full meal? Salt on every. That would be a full meal. Yes. So maybe, today, wait, maybe, wait. maybe with one fried egg. So today is Kylie Kramer's birthday. Yeah, by the way, we were, I was going to say something special sure about were. that. You uh-huh. just jumped I on. I was it. waiting. Right. So. There's a, Happy beautiful, birthday, there's Kylie. a beautiful cake in here. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. No, it's I fantastic. don't. I won't have a bite. You won't have a bite of cake. No, I will not. Right. You know why? Do you know why? Go ahead. You could say it. Say it out loud. Say it. Because I don't, I don't like Because you're manorexic. No, I don't, no I, I don't like sweets. I'm not a big sweet person. Oh, you're so full of it. I don't love sweets like you people oh, are you all don't addicted like ice to cream. the sugar. You don't like ice cream. I, ice cream, honestly, I, I eat so little ice cream, I could live without it for the rest of my life. I didn't know they were doing a remake of Pinocchio today. But it, I tell listen, you, you fit that role well let me give you Let me give you an example. So my son, who is going to be of topic, is 20 deflection. years old. No, it's not. My son, I, he's an athlete. He works out hours every day. And this kid, I have watched this kid eat two quarter pounders with cheese, a fish sandwich, two large fries, and a Coke. And he can eat that every day. This kid literally orders Uber Eats, and it comes as a, uh, literally, it's a buffet. And he eats it all. I look at a quarter pounder with cheese, and I get fat. In a sitting? Oh, yeah, 100%. Him and his friends, they do it all the time. Oh, God, no. And they can eat, he can eat anything he wants and I remind him, it is not always going to be like that. Things are going to change. One day, all of him and his friends are going to have little pockets of what I have. Little chub here, little chub there. And it just is the reality when you get older and you are quite young. You're much younger than I am, as is everybody. In, you're all combined younger than me. me. Oh, yeah. You're so old. Well, oh, my Jay- God. Jason's up there. What? Oh, you Jason's up it there. Easy. Jason's up there. Hey, how you doing there, fats? Kylie, how old are you, by the way? Do you, do you want to talk about oh that? Oh, my God. Sean, you, first of all, you never ask why a not? That's her a, Why not? She doesn't have to answer. Okay. That's not happening. You know what? When we bring baby Kylie, do you on care? Tomorrow, we're going to ask Kylie. Do you care if I ask how old you're young? I you're... mean, you can ask, but I don't have to answer. Okay, what See is that? Do you not want to answer? I'm 29. She's 29. She's a kid. I'm ever celebrating. She is a kid. Listen, once a woman gives her age, she can. Katie, never go how back. old are you? How old's Katie? How old are you? 20. She's 29. 29. How old are you, Ethan? 29. How old? You're full of crap. How old He's are you? 29. No, 29. I've just been with older. you since I was 15. Miss Blair. Blair's getting a little up there in years, but Blair also does, what do you do, these triathlons, these Ironman things? Explain what an Ironman is. Uh, 2.4 miles. Okay. 2.4 miles swim, 112-mile bike, and then you run a marathon. Right. And that's it. And then you, you hope you don't die at the end. And you hope you don't die in the end. Yeah, yeah. I'm 41. I mean, it's over for me. Just, it's, uh, know? 41 it's over for you oh yeah it's knee replacement hip replacement you know so i will tell you the true story about charlie so charlie was brought on by the network okay 
He comes in, and I think, oh, this poor kid, he probably likes sports and girls and, you know, all the things that 20-year-old men like. Okay, yada, yada. And he comes into my office, and he tells me, he goes, Linda, I'm a conservative. I really love the show. I'd love to be a part of the show. Can I stay for the summer? And I almost passed out. They had to bring me back with the vapors. I came back too, and I said, oh, my God, we have a millennial 20-year-old in our office who wants to work on the show, knows about politics. He's a great writer, and he's been with the show for about a month. He's doing great. Listen, everybody, and I'm, now I'm going to be really sincere and thoughtful. Every, oh, God, don't do that. We're having so much fun. Don't I, ruin I, it. What's the matter with you? Just you shush. Will you mind, please, for a second? Will you mind? For one second, can I finish a thought? Everybody we have on this show is amazing in their own way. And there's a whole cast of characters in there. You being, you know, the leader of the Go pack. ahead, careful there. No, I mean, it's just, it's, it's fascinating to get to know other people. And uh, one thing that I'm, um, I see in TV and radio, every intern that has ever worked for me, ever, all their parents are scared to death. Uh, they think their kids are gonna like collapse under the pressure, they do. I mean, because we're all helicopter parents in this day and age. Every parent is scared to death. Every single time, without exception, the kid does a phenomenal job. The kids get involved. And then it's like, oh, such a... Oh, I don't know. I got one story. I had an intern early on. Forget about it. We had this intern. I'm not going to say his name because he might listen. (laughs) But uh, this guy was terrible. Forget about it. He didn't know anything about conservatism. He didn't know anything about politics. He didn't know anything about anything. Yeah. And one day I went up to him. I said, hey, he, 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 how you doing? How you doing? How you doing? You doing all right? Doing all right? And he looks at me and he says, uh, yeah, yeah, I'm good. Okay. I said, because uh, you don't do anything. And I said, uh, <laughs> well, you know, sometimes interns need to be given. No, no. I gave him a lot of direction. Like I gave him like a binder full, you know, sure. it was a lot. A binder. Now you sound like Mitt Romney. Me and Mitt Romney. We're giving out binders, okay. you know. That's our party favor. So anywho, he was terrible. So I gave him another month to try to figure it out. Terrible. So okay, fine. So moving right along, I comes into my office. I said, listen, you're a nice guy. I don't know what you're interested in. It's clearly not the show or politics. I think it's time for you to move along and find something that interests you. He started to cry. You make people cry. That's I so said, mean. You made the you made the intern cry. I wow. Said, I said, "Are you kidding me? You can't cry." Why was he crying? Because he was sad that I was telling him he wasn't doing a good job. I said, "Let me ask you a question." What have I, you done? In all seriousness, what have you done since you've been here? Have you done anything I've asked you to do? He says, "No." I said, <laughs> okay. I said, "Did you do that deliberately?" He's like, "Yeah." I said, "Do you know anything about politics?" No. I said, what do you want to do with the rest of your life? Because I want to work in sports. I said, goodbye. Go work in sports. I'm doing you a favor. All right. Given, I want everyone to give an honest answer because you guys have been with me a long time. Have Do I ever fire people? Or if people leave, do they? is it so obvious that they fire themselves? I want honest answers. We'll start with you, ma'am. Oh, ma'am. Oh, well, thank you. That's, do, do I fire, that's sweet. Do I fire people? No. Have I have I ever I fired anybody? No, but how many times? How many times? <laughs> what, no, when you how many times have you come to me wanting to fire someone a and lot. I say no a lot? And what do I say? Calm down. Calm Let, down. Give them time. Listen, this person has a family. They have bills. That's right. They need the job. Guide them. Help them. That's I what will. I tell you. And I tell them. I'm Jason. Done. You're the next long. Have I? Have you ever seen me fire anybody? Of all the years I've known you, we go back to 1998. Yeah. No. I've, I've, I've never seen you sit, go to any, management and say, 
fire this person. I don't do it, but what do I do? I try to help people. Stangy's been here the longest since Atlanta, 1992. I've worked with him. Have I ever fired? Have I ever fired anybody or do they fire themselves? They've all fired themselves. After numerous, this is what you got to do, speeches. Yeah, there, there have been a few. There have been, there have been a few right. who have... <laughs> Who have flamed out in spectacular ways. And and it's not my fault because I'm trying to help them. Yeah. I give, I give, Jason, right? We give everybody every opportunity to make it right again and again and again. And then she's begging me to fire them. I'm not still saying I don't want to fire the guy. She's, she's begging you. She is. Is that what's happening? She has begged me to fire people. And I say, no, give them more time. You see, this is the beauty of me being the boss. You're not the boss. I can be the heavy Because I won't I, let I you fire you. them because I say no. So you only get to fire after they totally flame out and there's no hope. Is, is that is that the theory? That's the story we're going with? That's the truth. I'm going to let you stick with Ethan, that. Ethan, you don't fire anyone. I don't ever. fire anybody. No, you don't. I don't even think about firing people. You guys tell me I need to fire people. I'm like, I'm not firing that person. I'll give them, and what do I say? Teach them. All right, you got to take a break. Why is it okay for women to say, oh, you're five feet on dating sites? You should be dead. That's okay. Who said that to you here? Nobody. The women in general have said it on dating sites. You think I'm making that shit? Yeah. Everywhere I go, I get the same f-ing smirk with the biting lip. Shut your mouth. You're not God or my father or my boss. Dude, you want to step outside? You want to step outside? Huh? I'm not standing, pal. Enough. Enough. You shut up, too. Just like Go ahead and attack me. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I went in basically to uh, order a bagel sandwich, and the Indian woman who had never helped me there before didn't seem to understand the concept of of, uh, egg whites. So after saying it about three times, and I verified, she goes, okay, I understand. I says, okay, fine. Then she's she's doing this with her mouth and looking at people and smirking and laughing, and I started to feel like I was being maligned, or, you know, I I I made felt like I was less of a person, you know. I'm tired of women using me, abusing me, uh, lying to my face, tell me you like me on dates, and then you, and then you take my money, you cut me off, and you say I'm too short when you're about my height. It's ridiculous. And when you add all that up, I snap. I'm your modern day prophet. I'm your modern day Martin Luther King. You don't like it? You want to put a bullet in my head, or John Lennon's head, or his head for wanting peace? Too bad. Because I'm not changing. What do you mean when you say modern day prophet? Meaning I'm basically taking what they were believing in and try to get across the world and I'm bringing it to a heightened level. What do you mean take it out and you're acting like I committed mass shooting or something? That guy twice my size that women love, the bullies, attacked me. He was quickly done talking. You know what? I I don't really, no offense, I don't really like you that much, so this interview's over. All right, so we're going to have the bagel guy on tonight, but we also have the serious issues. We have a big breaking news story tonight, uh, thanks to our friend uh, John Solomon. That's coming up. Dan Bongino, Sean Spicer, Liz Cheney, Laura Trump tonight, Lawrence Jones, uh, Greg Jarrett, Mark Meadows, Maria Salazar, and much more tonight. Hannity, 9 Eastern, Fox News.